I loved fairy tales, just as she does, enthralled by the transformations, the impossible quests, the gorgeous significant objects, the magic cloaks, the satin dancing shoes. And, just like Millie, I'd fret about the people in the stories, their losses and reversals and all the dilemmas they faced. So sure that if I'd been in the story, it would all have been clear to me, that I'd have been wise and brave and resolute. I'd have known what to do. I read on. When the princesses thought he was safely asleep, they climbed through a trap door in the floor, and he pulled on his cloak and followed. They went down many winding stairways and came at last to a grove of trees with leaves of diamonds and gold. Briefly, I'm distracted by the charm of the story. I love this part especially, where the princesses follow the pathway down to another world, a secret world of their own, a place of enchantment, loving that sense of going deep, of being enclosed. Like the way it feels when you follow the Guernsey lanes down here to our home in this wet wooded valley of Saint-Pierre-du-Bois, a valley that seems so safe and cloistered, like a womb. Then, if you walk on, you will go up, up and out suddenly into the sunlight, where there are cornfields, kestrels, the shine of the sea, like a birth. Millie leans into me, wanting to see the pictures, the girls in their big, bright, glimmery skirts, the golden diamond leaves. I smell her familiar, comforting scent of biscuits, soap, and sunlight. The ceiling creaks above us as Evelyn gets ready for bed. I have filled her hot water bottle for her. She can feel a chill even on warm summer evenings. She will sit in bed for a while and read the Bible. She likes the Old Testament best, the stern injunctions, the battles. The Lord our God is a jealous God. Our rector at St. Peter's is altogether too gentle for her. When we go, if we go, she will stay with Angela Brock at Les Rouettes. Evelyn is far too old to travel. She's like an elderly plant, too frail to uproot. Mum, says Blanche, out of nowhere in a little shrill voice. Celeste says all the soldiers have gone. The English soldiers in St. Peter Port. She speaks rapidly, as though the words are rising in her like steam. Celeste says that there's no one left to fight here. I take a breath. It hurts my chest. I can't pretend any more. Yes, I say. I heard that. Mrs. Lebrock told me. Now, suddenly, my voice seems strange, shaky, serrated with fear. It sounds like someone else's voice. I bite my lip. They're coming, aren't they, Mum? says Blanche. Yes, I think so, I say. What will happen to us if we stay here? she says. There's a thrum of panic in her voice. Her eyes, blue as hyacinths, are urgent, fixed on my face. She's chewing the bits of skin at the sides of her nails. What will happen? Sweetheart, it's a big decision. I've got to think it through. I want to go she says. I want to go to London. I want to go on the boat. Shut up, Blanche, 
says Millie. I want to hear the story. Blanche, London isn't safe. It's safer than here, she says. No, sweetheart. People are sending their children away to the country. The Germans could bomb London. Everyone has gas masks. But we could stay in Auntie Iris's house. She said we'd be more than welcome in her letter, Mum. You told us. She said we could. I really want to go, Mum. It could be a difficult journey, I say. I don't mention the torpedoes. Her hands are clenched into fists. The bright sun gilds all the little fair hairs on her arms. I don't care. I want to go. Blanche, I'm still thinking. Well, you need to get a move on, Mum. We haven't got forever. I don't know what to say to her. In the quiet, I'm very aware of the tick of the clock, like a heartbeat beating on to the moment when I have to decide.